Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The time is 6 o'clock in the morning. Time to call Shenderovich, Shenderovich and Fishman. Why pay 40% when you can pay 25%? Call 888-98-TWINS. Dorn here. Cows behind the glass. Pat Bostick for the whole show. Jeff Hathorn joins us at 7.30 a.m. And we have Nick Costos to break down the playoff games at 9.30 a.m. Pat, um, obviously the season has ended. Uh, last time we talked to you, we were kind of breaking down what the Steelers were going to do, uh, potentially do against the Buffalo Bills. And obviously it didn't go their way. And I think a lot of people could anticipate that. But now the season has ended. It was a it was a a roller coaster of a season, I would say, uh, for uh, for many reasons. But oh, yeah. Mike Tallman, he's going to speak to the media today. Um, he informed his team. It you know it it, it broke that Tallman informed his team that he is intending on coming back next year as a head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, as we sit here in in, in anticipation for twelve p.m., how how do you think? How do we think it's going to go today? Um, is he going to be candid? Is he going to be transparent? Uh, you know, is he, is he going to, um, you know, are, are the media and are the reporters and journalists going to ask the right questions? Are they going to fire at him? Um, you know, there's so much to break down with this press conference today. So, you know, initially, how do you think it's going to go? What do you think the feel is going to be in that room? Well, let's go back to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and revisit the end of the last press conference, which was, Icy, right? I mean, exit stage left. And obvi- obviously was not happy with the question. So I think that that's going to get asked. I mean, what what bothered you about that question? I think there is so much to unpack with this season. If you look at the questions that should be asked from offensive staff to quarterback to have you talked extension with Art Rooney II? Have you talked – about you know the f- your future beyond next season, um, to veteran players and their position to what players are saying, which mm-hmm. is all over the map. Mm. I mean, their message is as far from uniform as as I've seen. And I know we live in a different day and age with the ability to share your opinion is so you can do it in so many different ways. But I mean, this is going to be a doozy yeah. of a press conference, and I expect him to keep it pretty tight. I expect him to keep it pretty tight. And you read the party line for the most part, but there are some questions that just have to be asked. So let's play Mike Tallman right now. So let's start here. And you brought this up whenever we were putting the show together. Uh, you, you know, there's there's 
Cam Hayward, who says one thing, then Najee Harris that says another thing. Cam Hayward says the structure's fine. Uh, the in-house rules, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. The in-house rules are fine. Najee Harris says that we need to work on the in-house rules. We need to work on the structure. I came from a place that had a uh, high level of structure. If you, he's going to be asked probably that question. Why, uh, why is X saying this and Y saying that? And they are on the same team. Is there a, a, a can can people question the culture and question the structure on a day to day basis? How do, how how does he answer that? I mean, listen. I think the way you answer that question is probably uh, the emotion of a game, right? You know, everyone's looking for something they can do better. We can do better. We're looking at everything. You know, all the all the coach speak that you're typically going to get. And Mike Tomlin does a great job of making that interesting to hear and saying a whole lot without saying much. Um, it's a, it's a talent. But that's a problem mm-hmm. when you have that. You've got the unquestioned veteran leader of your team in Cam Hayward, who is bullish on Mike Tomlin, bullish on the environment, bullish on – he is a Pittsburgh Steeler. He represents – he fits in with the Steel Curtain. He fits in with all those teams. And then you've got this new age group, Harris – Johnson, Pickens, those three in particular that'll say pretty much anything. And, you know, whether it's the refs, whether it's our in-house rules, whether it's who should be quarterback, whether it's the play calling, whatever it may be. I mean, it, I, I just – I think Mike Tom will dodge it. I think that's probably the smart move mm-hmm. because I'm not sure there's anything you're going to say that's going to solve that problem. But – if I'm him, if I'm Omar Khan, you know, who's who's ten toes in the boat here moving forward? Because, and I know there's only so much you can do contractually with certain guys, but I mean, some of this stuff is just they've got more drama and distractions than any team I I can think of, and they just made the playoffs. It's crazy. I mean, it, it, it's it, been all year. It's it's all year long. Fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia in Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. TJ Watt said yesterday that, you know, when he was he was asked in his interview, he said that you know, our goal was to to win a playoff game or to make it to the playoffs. So it was either or. It doesn't really matter. But that was their goal this year. I, f- I find that to be a problem. Whenever he said that yesterday, saying that our goal was to win a playoff game. That's it. Like that's the that's the standard of the Steelers. Like so, if I was there today, and obviously I'm not, and you know people will ask questions, and it's it's probably tough to sit there and ask the hard questions because you get shot down. Obviously, we see it uh, usually week in and week out with Brooke. Um, but if I was there today, I'd be like, what is the actual goal here for the Pittsburgh Steelers? It doesn't seem like the standard is the same standard that it used to be. And I asked Doug this yesterday because he brought this up. Uh, he thought that it was very interesting that T.J. Watt said that. He's, and I asked him, you know, kind of to, to bounce back at him, whenever he was working for the Steelers, what was the thought process in the building? He's like, we didn't even talk about it. We already knew. He said, James Ferrier, Heinz Ward, Jerome Bettis, Ben Roethlisberger. The goal, was the, the goal was the same throughout the whole entire building. You didn't have to talk about it. All you had to do was walk past the Lombardis. That was the goal. Right. Then you hear the the – the number one player on the football team yesterday say our goal was to win a playoff game. That tells you to me where the Steelers are at and what they think suffices a, a successful season. Yeah, I mean, it, it almost it, – it it reeks of comfort, mm-hmm. right? And, and 
people are comfortable. They're going to get theirs. They, they're in a safe spot. We win a playoff game. We protect it. it. It's not aggressive. It's not going for broke. It's not we got to win it all at all costs. Um, and, again, I, I words are one thing. Uh, listen, I think T.J. Watt plays at a Super Bowl caliber level. For sure. Um, I, I do think, and this is easy for me to say sitting here, we both played the game. Uh, you played it at a higher level than me. Um, I, I don't see, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, leadership on this team. I see division. I see, and, and I know people want to talk about the locker room. You can have a fine locker room. You can have a fine locker room and and not have leadership. Mm-hmm. It can be fine. There can be no issues. People could spout off and say stuff in the media or tweet it or Instagram it. And the locker room's cool because everyone's just happy. Sometimes the locker rooms with leadership are where there are fights. Yeah. Where guys get held accountable. Yeah. yeah. Where there is issues. I mean, a certain level of dysfunction represents the right culture to win. Yes. This dysfunction, which again, is not, it's not fatal for them. This dysfunction is more born, in my opinion, of a comfort and a indiv- individualistic mentality that I think precludes them from being as good as they could be and probably turns the most motivated players, the ones that want to be leaders off. And in today's day and age with young people, man, everyone wants to fit in. It's hard to be the guy that calls somebody out. Does the leader of the offense have to be the quarterback? You prefer it to be. Mm-hmm. But, I mean – Listen, is Jalen Hurts the leader of the Philadelphia Eagles? Now, they, they've had a rough end of the year, but I, I would say Jason Kelsey is probably the leader of the Philadelphia Eagles until he retires. Um, most of the time, you want it to be the quarterback. But there are places, you know, you go back to Indianapolis Colts with Peyton Manning and Jeff Say. Remember them going at it? Yes. On the sideline? Yeah, on the sideline, yeah. I mean, you remember Tom Brady going at it with guys? Mm-hmm. You know, leaders on that side of the ball. Sometimes it could be a left tackle that has an edge to them. You think Alan Fanica wasn't a leader? Heath Miller didn't say boo, but he was a leader. Mm-hmm. Heinz Ward was a leader. Mm-hmm. He talked with his pads. Um, Jerome Bettis. Think of all the guys that were around Ben. Ben was the leader, but there were other voices in support. I don't see that with this team. Right. There's there's nobody that really you know has taken that upon themselves really to to enhance that leadership where. And I, I don't know, and we're obviously going to get into this uh, a little bit later in, in, in probably about an hour about the whole quarterback situation and who should be back, you right. know, who, who, who do the players want back, things of that nature. But you're right, though. Like, whenever you do look around, it – like, I always say this, especially in the NFL more than, ever, uh, more than anything, and you, know, you see it in college football a lot, like, offense and defense are absolutely separate. Like, they are two different teams. They practice separately. They practice separately. (laughs) They think separately. The locker rooms are usually one side's defense, one side is offense. It is separate. It's two different teams. But whenever I think about the Steelers in that nature, it's really separate. Yeah, no doubt. It's really separate by the mentality, the way they think, the way they operate. I know that the defense didn't play well against the Buffalo Bills, but the leadership 
you know, obviously TJ Watt wasn't playing, but the leadership is there. The 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 veteran nature is there. Patrick Peterson didn't play well, but he's a veteran. Uh, Cam Hayward, veteran, Minka. obviously. Minka, a veteran. Um, you look at this offense, and you, you you're. I think they were searching for that person all year, and they wanted it to probably be Sayamalu. Whenever he came in, he went to a Super Bowl. Uh, he plays at a high level. He plays with that tenacity. You wanted it to be him, and that's kind of why I asked you that question. Like, are are the skill players going to respond to a Sayamalu if he says something? Is Najee Harris going to respond to that? Is George Pickens going to be like, yeah, okay, like I got to get my my bleep together because Sayamalu told me. See, I don't know. It's a different day and age. Like, I, if Mason or Kenny were to step up and say that, would they respond to it if they weren't playing at a high level as well? So I think everybody was searching throughout the whole offense to figure out who that guy was, and you get to the end of the season, it's still nobody. Yeah, you know, it's one of the reasons we talked about this several weeks ago. I think this offensive coordinator hire is so important. You look at teams where the offensive coordinator is the head coach and there is a fear there is a fear and a respect for that head coach that's at a different level when you're an offensive player and they're the play caller because there's a direct correlation then to your number getting called. Are you being involved in the game plan? I'm not saying Mike Tomlin won't pull the plug on guys, but, I mean, there's been a lot of hysterics that have been let go with this thought, whether it's, you know, Deontay loafing, not blocking by George, or loafing off the field and getting a 12 man on the field substitution problem, or sideline antics, or locker room fights, or what have you. That voice needs to have, and I feel the same way. And I'm, listen, I think it's right to bring Mike Tomlin back. I think it is. But, there needs to be some serious autonomy for this offensive coordinator, and they better be worthy of it. And they better have a commanding voice in that room and bring everybody in and start fresh. Listen, this is, this is, you're starting a new resume. You're turning mm-hmm. a new page here. I don't care what you did before because it wasn't good enough. I don't care who you are. And set the record straight and get this thing going in the right direction. And then whoever echoes that voice – will then become the leaders on the field. Mm-hmm. And it'll likely be some of the same names, but at least then there's an accountability. And I think that's what they're lacking right now is an accountability for a lack of performance, which McKenney was kind of held accountable. He wasn't put back in. And also for a lack of character and leadership. And that number two one, I think, is even more important than number one for this team right now. We'll dive into that a little bit more. I have a little theory on, you know, some of the antics that went on this year and the accountability and where that where that comes from. Uh, we'll also take your calls, 412-928-9370. How do you think the press conference is going to go today? Like, what questions would you ask? What do you want to be answered in Mike Tomlin's press conference? 412-928-9370. We'll talk about that next. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Fan Morning Show is brought to you by Armstrong Comfort with Matt Mertz Plumbing. Dickerson Bostic Callis here today. Crowley had his baby yesterday, so congratulations to him and his lovely wife and his lovely daughter, Nora, and his lovely daughter, Fiona. It's awesome. 
Excited for him. Outstanding. I'm excited for him. Pat, you talked about accountability earlier uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you said that there needs to be an offensive coordinator that is, you know, that has that voice that can be that, you know, leader that can trickle down to providing for other leaders and in, in, in developing other leaders on the offense. And, you know, I've been on this train. I haven't seen really anybody even jump on it or uh, take it and run with it. But I believe that Mike Tomlin has really morphed. And it's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that this is a bad thing. Tom, Mike Tomlin, in my opinion, has morphed into more of a father figure than a head coach. Um, hmm. It just the, the way that things were handled this year, it seemed more like Tomlin wanted to put his arm around Deontay Johnson, put his arm around George Pickens whenever they did mess up instead of actually being a head coach and being like, this is the, these are the rules and you have to follow the rules. Um, I think that in the NFL, there is a time and place for that. In college, there's definitely a time and place for that. Nick Saban was probably the best example of flirting with the line of being a father figure and right. being a head coach. You know, you know, putting his arm around young men, developing young men, but also being like, this is how we do things here. Either you fall in line or you get out, right? So... I, I, you talk about the accountability and, and having to, to do things a certain way. And we obviously heard what Najee said. We heard what Cam Hayward said about, you know, the in-house things. I think Mike Tomlin has really evolved into more of a father figure than being that stern head coach that is all about winning. He is all about winning. Don't take this the wrong way. I get it. He wants to win. He wants to win a Super Bowl. But some of the ways he handled things this year, it just – kind of struck me that it was like, oh, he's more like coddling these guys like a father would than, than discipline. Yeah, I mean, they're his guys, mm -hmm. right? And I think with some of the young players, he has taken that mentality. It, it, the, the interesting kind of dichotomy there is his public persona is very stern, very businesslike, very almost militaristic in terms of how he wants this organization to operate and the standard being the standard and all those things. But you did see a lot of that or, or just letting guys do their thing. And, and the, the danger with that is it can kind of metastasize and it can become accepted as, okay, that's fine. Mm -hmm. That's normal. I can do that. It's one of the interesting things about that receiver room as a whole being just in many ways – I don't think you could point to another position in that franchise that has been more correlated to their regression as a Super Bowl contender than the receiver room. Think about it. Mm -hmm. Think about it. I mean, did Santonio Holmes have problems? Yes, he had problems. But there was Heath and there was all these other – and then you start going to Antonio Brown – you got the what are they the the money crew or whatever they call Martavis Bryant yeah Martavis Bryant you've got Emmanuel Sanders you've got who's a good player and then all of a sudden it turns into miss after miss after miss problem after problem after problem and it's almost like they put on that jersey I mean and a guy like Juju Smith Schuster who's a nice guy is turns into a, a you know he's looked at as a diva mm -hmm. and they almost embrace it. They like rebel against it, as opposed to like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna get it together, I'm gonna put myself together. I mean, Deontay Johnson's turned into it. George Pickens is it. He's freakishly talented. Both of them are. Mm -hmm. But there's no one holding them accountable, and that's not on the receiver coach. That's not on the quarterback. 
That's that's on the organization. That's on the head coach, and that's on the leaders, the power structure that's in place. You can't allow that. You just can't. I mean, and they have, and it nips them at the biggest moments. They'll, those guys will get there. So they'll, he'll have 185 and a touchdown, but he'll miss a block, loaf, yep. get a penalty, jaw with somebody, and it'll cost him a game. Yep. And those are the margins in the National Football League, especially when you don't have Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. Exactly. See, I think I brought this up to you before. and I forget what you said, but you say it's not on the receiver coach. It's, it's, it, kind of, it starts from the top. So say Tomlin isn't stripped of his uh, power, and we'll get into that, that whole dynamic, but say he isn't, but he's allowed to hire a new staff. Do you think it's a proponent in the NFL, and let's say college football too, for two positions to have former players as coaches, receivers and DBs, just so they can relate. I, I feel I always felt that a receivers coach should be a guy that played wide receiver in the league because only those guys know how those guys think and they can get the most out of those guys. Randy Moss was a, a you know a diva, yeah. Back, and, and then he obviously changed when he went to New England. If Randy Moss was a, a head was a receivers coach now for a professional football team, he'd tell those guys what not to do. Right. Don't act like I act. I always felt that it, it, it is it, – you're doing – you should enhance that room by having somebody that's played that position for a long time. And I think that uh, that helps young wide receivers because this isn't just the Steelers' problem, Pat. I mean – No, it's everywhere. We, we dealt with it at, you know, at, at Pitt. We did, every college football team deals with it. Every NFL team deals with it, with yep. the Devo. I mean, something popped up yesterday. Des Bryant popped up, that old interview oh, he yeah. did. That popped up, and I was like, man, this has been going on. Terrell Owens. Time. Terrell Owens. I mean, there's so many – Chad Ochocinco. There's so many receivers that are divas. But I always thought it would be it, – it's a proponent to success and kind of – grasping that receiver room to have that leader and the coach be a former player. I don't know if you see it the same way. I always just thought that that would be a, a necessary move. For I, I do kind of see it the same way. And you could say that about a lot of positions. Quarterback, obviously the mental strain. I actually – it was interesting. I've, I've played for a former quarterback, and I've played for a guy that never played quarterback. And the quarterback position is you know equal parts mental and, and physical – I think that the receiver DB are two positions that are so technical and athletic that if you haven't done it, it's hard to. I mean, like me coaching DBs would be a disaster. Mm -hmm. I know fundamentally what to do, but I can't show you how to do it. I mean, I don't have hips like that. I can't run like that. I can't jump like that. And, and obviously, coaches can't either at their age, but. You get the point. If you've done it before, you you carry a little bit more weight. Um, you know, going back to it, the diva problem. I didn't have a problem with Antonio Brown because he worked as you know what off. Oh, he's one of the hardest workers I've ever been he, around. He worked as you know what off, and played hard every snap, every single snap. It wasn't until the end that it got bad, like toxic bad, but it turned into that, and it's created a trickle down effect. I, I'm. What's going to be really interesting, because not only do you hear players talking about Mike T and Coach Tomlin, you hear the offensive staff, Eddie Faulkner and Mike Sullivan and this group talk about him, and he talks about them. It's going to be a group effort. Mm -hmm. It's going to be – it's got two coordinators. What's the push-pull of who's back? 
on that offensive staff. And I never want to root for anybody to lose a job, but I don't see how you can't start clean. I really can't. And I think it's going to be really hard for Mike Tomlin to do. Uh, it's, it's basically happened across the hall at Pitt, and it's hard. But everybody needs a new voice on that side of the ball. And, I mean, aside from maybe the O-line getting better at the end of the year, I, I, I can't you, – you'd have to really, really present a case for not advocating for new voices starting at the top and trickling down through every position on offense. Fan Morning Show Twitter poll is brought to you by PJ Fitzpatrick Home Improvement. TrustPJ.com. You know what? We um we we could talk about that a little bit. And you and we do a segment usually every Friday, stats and facts that matter. You have some interesting stats on what the offense did throughout the season and how they ended. And did it look better to our eyes just watching on TV? Or did it just look okay on paper? You have a bunch of stats that you want to rattle off about the offense of the yep. Pittsburgh Steelers next. We'll dive in that. And that could, you know, roll into if Sullivan or Faulkner should be back. Fan Hotline is presented by Sullivan Super Service, Pittsburgh's trusted plumbing and HVAC provider for over 50 years. Dickerson, Bostic, Cal is here with you on the Fan Morning Show. Cal, are you uh, doing better? Are you feeling better? Are you, are you, are you energized now? I was not feeling bad. Well, I mean, you were you were in the dumps a little bit. I'm just worried about you. I was not in the dumps. Yes, you were. I was not. You walked in, you were flustered, then I flustered you more, and then the computer started messing up, and then you were flustered again, and then you got back and you were excited, and now I feel like you're flustered again. Can I tell you can I tell you what happened? Yes. Sometimes you just give faces, right? You just make faces. And you know what you do, and you're silly about it. And you walked in and you gave me one of these faces. And then I'm like, ooh, that's a I was about to say it's a scary face, but then but then I'm like, oh, no, he always does that. And then I stopped talking, and you're like, what? What were you going to say? And I was like, nothing. You just make faces. <laughs> Cause I give those just because Crowley isn't here doesn't mean that somebody has to fight. Right. Right. I'm not, but I'm not fighting. But I, I, I give those faces because it's 4 a.m. I, right. I, I sense tension. It's 4 a.m. You There's say no I always tension. give faces. I'm just not down in the dumps. I'm having a good morning. All right. I'm glad. Okay. Yeah. Stats and facts that matter. Pat, you you were telling me about some stats about the the Steelers' offense and what we saw out of the last four games with Mason compared to Kenny and what the offense really did. You want to rattle those off for the people? Yeah, I do. Uh, It's interesting because I don't think, and I want to preface these comments with, I thought the offense unquestionably looked better. It looked more fluid. All of them, like, we had more fluidity. We had more this. All true. But when you boil it down, statistically, and and this is a some team ranking site that I'm going off of that is up to date. It's as of, as of this weekend's coming game. So last weekend's games are the, are the most recent. Scoring offense, average on the season, 2023 NFL season. Pittsburgh Steelers, 28th, 17.8 points per game. In their last three games, they averaged 21.3 points per game. So a field goal a game, better. In the last three games. Not astronomical. To put that into context, over the last three games, Baltimore, Green Bay, Houston, New Orleans, Dallas, Buffalo, the Giants, Detroit, Chicago, Arizona, Rams, Vegas, Jets, San Francisco, Cleveland, Kansas City, Seattle, all scored more points per game than the Pittsburgh Steelers in their last three games. Let's look at total offense. Yards per game. Pittsburgh Steelers on the season, 25th in the National Football League. 305.4 305.4 yards per game. Last three games, 360 a game. 
Okay. 55 more. 55 more a game. Now, that puts them, one, two, three, four, about eighth in the NFL their last three games, 360 yards per game. Now, Dallas had 444, Green Bay 439, Arizona 407. Let's dig into that. 305 to 360. Let's use round numbers. Rushing offense, yards per game. This is where you see the biggest difference. Pittsburgh on the season, 11th in the league, top third, good, solid. 117.6. Last three games, 154.3. Mm. 154.3. So about a 39-yard difference on average their last three ball games. Passing offense. Let's take a look at the difference. So if you just look at the rushing offense real quick, last three games, Pittsburgh had the third best rushing offense in the in football. Mm-hmm. The last three games. 11th on the season. Passing offense. Yards per game. I'm clicking through here. Give me a second. 25th in the league, 187.8 yards per game. Very pedestrian. 206 in their last three games. So an improvement, 19 yards per game. But you can see that the real delta is rushing offense. Mm -hmm. So is it Mason Rudolph or is it this offensive line? And still, you look at 206 yards per game, that still puts them – 18th or 19th in the National Football League in passing offense. Their run game got better, which opened things up in the passing game for Mason Rudolph. He made those shots. He made those plays. But my summation is this offense didn't get that much better. Mm -hmm. Circumstantially, from a flow standpoint, yes. But this offense is still problematic. And if there's anything to pull from it, is they're getting better up front and they've got two backs they can roll on. Everything else needs fixed. Do you think that defenses, because Mason did hit on a few shots early uh, in his his tenure this year of being the starting quarterback, do you think that that frightened defenses a little bit, that they backed up that that made the run game a bigger proponent of uh, success? Probably, yeah. I mean, I'm sure or, that's – Or is there another angle to why the run game got, got well, better? Well, let's, let's also look at it. Um, let, let's dial it up. So – and I – they played Cincinnati, who was one of the worst defenses in football. Um, and when Pickett was playing, they, they lit him up and just couldn't score. Drop touchdown, all those things. They played Baltimore's backups in a monsoon, so probably evens out. And they played Seattle, who pretty much plays a two-shell and doesn't really load the box. Mm-hmm. And they ran the ball all over them and hit some big plays. I mean, in both of Baltimore and the Seattle game, they had, what, 70-yard touchdowns? So just huge run-after-catch, too. Not bombs. Mm-hmm. Run-after-catch. Great throws by Mason Rudolph. So splash plays really influenced it. So And then they go play Buffalo and really do nothing except for one drive mm-hmm. in that ball game and a blocked field goal t- that, that led to a touchdown. Um, so is it circumstance? Did the line get better and they ran the ball? It's a little bit of both. But – I don't take I don't take any comfort in what that offense did the last four games that it is going to plug and play next season, present company included, and be a top fifteen offense. And that's kind of going to lead into what we're going to talk about in a little bit of you know what type of offensive coordinator the Steelers should be looking for. I get Pat's thoughts on that. But up next, the NFL's wild man 
The NFL, I mean, you know every year whenever the season does end, there's Black Monday and coaches get fired, but it just seems wild right now. We're oh, going to yeah. dive into that. So 50-minute mark on the fan brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Route 19 in Peters Township celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. Pat, the NFL is wild right now. Listen to this. The Dallas Cowboys are bringing back Mike McCarthy, which I think is – a good decision in the end. I I I thought that Jerry Jones was going to act off of impulse, act off of uh, you know just his emotions, but he didn't let that get to him. They're going to bring Mike McCarthy back for another year, which a lot of people were anticipating he was going to get fired. Bill Belichick interviewed with the Falcons. Don't know why. Didn't think that Bill Belichick would want to work for the Falcons, knowing that they don't have a quarterback and. Um, that situation seems uh, uh, not the best. Jim Harbaugh interviewed. Jim Harbaugh, obviously the other Harbaugh brother who just won the national championship with Michigan, you all know that. He just interviewed with the Chargers and the Falcons. Patriots hired Gerard Mayo. The Saints GM Mickey Loomis compares Dennis Allen to Chuck Knoll, and the season isn't even over yet. Like the NFL is wild right now. And obviously you have Pete Carroll who got fired. You got Vrabel who got fired. Vrabel's gonna be another head coach somewhere. Yep. Um Pete Carroll, I guess they you know, he's an advisor right now for the Seattle Seahawks, but he'll probably go somewhere else or retire. I just feel like this year, or as years go on, it just gets wilder and wilder in the NFL. It does get crazy. And we were talking about this you know, we were talking about this prior to the show starting. Um you know, what if Baltimore loses this weekend? Is Baltimore is the same conversation in Baltimore about John Harbaugh as there is about Mike Tomlin? Mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't over yet, and it's not even Black Monday. It's not even you know, we haven't hit the full cycle. I mean, you've got head coaches on the market that could be head, uh, Arthur Smith, could be a head coach, could be a coordinator, right? Could very easily be an offensive coordinator. Did a great job in Tennessee with Tannehill and Derrick Henry, and we know Mike Tomlin likes to play that way. Um, yeah, it's it's not for long, and it's it's getting shorter and shorter. It is anymore, and and it's just uh, I feel like the the pressure on coaches on, on organizations now is at an all-time high because the angles through which they it used to be like oh what are they writing in the paper i can remember <laughs> i remember coach wants that read the paper and it's like now it's like what did so and so player tweet what did they what instagram live did they do who did they who did they respond to what emoji are they the using comment that they you know, what what is like <laughs> what's on the blogger you know what's on the radio broadcast what's on tv what's on the, the nightly sports call all this stuff, man. Like, there's so many avenues through which pressure can be applied to organizations, and you know, organizations like the the Pittsburgh Steelers tend to be impervious to that. They don't they don't respond to it as much. We we see them kind of in one year out the other, but man, some of these other towns. I mean, think about this. This drives me nuts. The owner of an NFL team does a post game interview. Crazy. He does it all the time. Crazy. I mean. If I be a tough place to work, man. That's what I was. Yeah, it's exactly. one thing if you want to bring me in on a, on a Monday or a Friday and say, "Hey, listen, we're in parting ways." But when you're talking about the game, and you, I mean, yeah, he, Jerry Jones has been around a lot of football and a lot of good football in Dallas. But at some point, you can't separate yourself from the situation and say you aren't part of the problem. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like there was people out there saying if Mike McCarthy got fired, that'd be the match made in heaven for, for Bill Belichick. I was like, absolutely not. That would be the worst match. You talk about a power struggle. I mean, that'd be the worst match ever. 
Like, uh, you know, Bill Belichick would not be having that. He would not be having that. He does things a certain way. He does it his way. He wants to go to a place where he has full control, and he would not have full control there. Obviously, Mike McCarthy's coming back, so it doesn't matter. But he would not have full control as a Dallas Cowboys head coach. I was watching uh, Jason Garrett was doing a, an interview, I think, with Dan Patrick, and he was talking about his interview process with with Dallas. And this, is, this just tells you how Dallas does. You talk about a fan base that's frustrated. <laughs> oh. I'd love to listen to some shows in Dallas. Um Jason Garrett was like the quarterback coach for the Dolphins. He had just got done playing, and they brought him in for an interview. Um, and he, the interview was done at a restaurant. They didn't get done at the restaurant until two in the morning. They kept him in Dallas and said, "We have a position for you. We don't know if it's going to be head coach yet. This is to replace Bill Parcells." Oh my goodness! Oh and name him head coach. Oh my goodness! I mean, like, and then he was there for. What? A long time. I mean, 12 years, maybe? A long time. You know, and they're paying DACA just a boatload of money to do what? Yep. I, tw- I tweeted the other I couldn't help myself. You know that cadence he does? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we good. Yeah. It's like, that plays well Here we when go. you're- Here we go. It plays really well when you're like scoring 40 points a game and winning. When you're down four touchdowns, I might just go back to like the white 80 set hut <laughs> and just like, let's just get over with it. Yeah, this is, this is getting old, but okay. Oh, man. Uh, Coming up next, uh, a certain player on the Pittsburgh Steelers, he spoke yesterday, and he had some thoughts on what he would like to see transpire next year. We'll talk about that next, but first, Fan Weather is brought to you by Sun Chevy 2024. Starts with great incentives on the Trailblazer Blazer, Equinox, and Silverado, sunchevy.com. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 